Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We, 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 we. I have ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women. I thought I want to learn a new language. You know what? I I do have a because uh, I'm a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of of a French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm -hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's the trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got yeah. your Spanish, your French, mm -hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Arabic. Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. That's the hard part, I think. That's it. And it's an intuitive process. You pick mm -hmm. up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's all designed for long-term retention, which is great because I took Spanish for 12 years and all I know is how to find a library. Yes, Donde, I know. Donde está la biblioteca. So this one, really, really, you retain it. I learned German and I know hast du Zweister now abra. No, hast du Bruder now. Nine abra cabras by Swester. That means, have, do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> someone sneezes. Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone, that's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that language is speak. Right. You don't, you don't look like some clown. Desktop and <laughs> app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. Mm -hmm. By the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, mm -hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly in the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh, yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% mm -hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. How long did you work with Julia Sweeney? Do you know how many um, seasons? I think probably three. Her, her whole I run? Think no, when, you're... Yeah, or four. She kind of like, so we had Nora Dunn mm -hmm. and Jan, Jan Hooks and Victoria Jackson as our primary female some cast killers, members. Some killers. Yeah. And they were great. Mm -hmm. And then when, I think when Jan and Nora left, then Julia came in and took that primary role of, Doing a lot the of wife, stuff with Phil Hartman. Yeah. Phil Hartman. Yeah. She could, her range yeah. is incredible. And then we do talk about in this podcast, really interesting, her character, It's Pat, mm -hmm. uh, about a kind of a woman that no one knows whether it's a man or a woman. This was 1991 or two. But she talks all about her reaction to that, what she feels about it. We also talk about, she brings up a sketch I wrote for her when I was a little yes. writer. And that was, that even shocked me. And I did not remember. And it was, Great to hear. It was a very real reaction from you. I always say to people, like, take away David Spade, all the fame, the Bachelorette, all the shows, all the movies, all the world, Missy. He was a dandy little sketch writer. <laughs> I like that. I'll take that over everything. That's, that's the hardest thing But you thing wrote do. some jokes for me once. You were my opening act. We did a little tour, oh. and I would give you subjects, and you'd go, sure, boss. And you had, you had a pencil in your ear and a little, a little notebook. Right away, boss. Here's a joke Dana did today. Like Why do they call them neat freaks? Why do you have to be a freak if you're neat? That's yours. <laughs> Can't you just be tidy? <laughs> nah, you're a neat freak. I'm vacuuming. Why Who's am I this a freak? freak? I'm not a freak. I'm just vacuuming. Freak. <laughs> Get away from the freak. 
get the cat away. <laughs> That's Dana's new one. <laughs> All right, here Dana's we go. <laughs> Julia Sweeney. So you were saying about religion. Oh, yeah. You've done two or three one-woman shows based on... Well, really just one. Letting Go of God was the... Yeah, that's the religion one. The other ones are other things. God said, ha, yeah, I got it. But, yeah. but the re- So you're an atheist. Yes, although I really... <laughs> it sounds so negative, but it's just atheist. Yes, well, no, because to American ears, atheist sounds like... Um, I hate puppies and flowers. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. you know, it's it's so... kind of a Nazi-esque thing to it or something. Yeah, even though yeah. the Nazis weren't atheists, but I, which I'm always explaining to people. Okay, but anyway. Hmm. Well. <laughs> it comes from Catholicism. Um, but um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I've had a, yeah. I don't believe, I don't, let me put it this way. I don't live my life sure. under the assumption that there is a deity watching what I do. Right. I guess that makes me an atheist. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know what I, I I keep coming back to this. Like, I can't comprehend infinity, that there was no beginning or end to this. Whatever. Why? Why do things exist? And when did they get here? So I keep going around with that. I, I did know a Jehovah's Witness once who who told me he could understand infinity. I said, so you can think of a God who never was not here, was always here. He looked up and he goes, yeah, I got it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that be I want to say to the record, I like puppies and I like flowers. Me too. I think, Julie, what people is the it hits the ear like if you don't believe in that, then you don't believe what we believe is that that created those things. So you're against everything. Is that kind of what the vibe is? Yeah, yeah. that's it. And it's like a very I used to think I could. I don't know what I thought. I guess I thought doing my <laughs> show, I would change people's mind. I wasn't doing it to change people's mind. Actually, the reason I did the show is because for me, it was a huge, huge the philosophical transformation. I wasn't particularly religious before. So it was about mm-hmm. age 40 that this happened. Well, I was religious. I wanted to be a nun in high school. I was completely committed Catholic, oh. <laughs> but I let it kind yeah. of go away. Mm-hmm. And then I had a crisis in my life that made me believe more. Like I really felt, you know, like I had religious experiences. And then after that, I started trying to think, well, what was going on with those experiences? And then as I learned more and more about the brain and how we evolved, mm-hmm. then I finally read the Bible. I, you know, and then after over two years, I realized that I could explain it psychologically or naturally or, you know, like I didn't need a God to explain what happened to me. And then so then I wanted that was a big dramatic change in my life. And I had been doing these one person shows about things like that. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, that's a good challenge to kind of do a one person show about a change of mind that all the Mm -hmm. dramas all takes place in your head. And that was really hard. And I didn't necessarily achievement achieve it i had to make stories and you know like i had to conform to normal dramatic structure but i did it and it was probably my most popular show and but i wasn't thinking i'm gonna convince people to be an atheist it was more like it have comedic tones i'm sure oh yes it was actually i felt defensive about it because i felt like i was getting as many laughs per five minutes as comedians were but because it was a difficult topic i wasn't considered a stand-up you know, like, right. And well, it's a brave topic and that's harder yeah. in stand up. It's more respected in a way to try to Is tackle it? things instead of Seven Eleven, which I tackle. <laughs> I, wa- I watched about 12 minutes of it. I thought it was really charming. And the way you walked yourself into it was very disarming for the audience. But yeah, did I ever believe in a magic God and all that stuff? No, I- I'm with you on that. I mean, I never, never bought it and no one bought it in the Lutheran church. Even the pastors, you could tell. Oh, sure. I fully believe yeah. now that all everyone, no one really <laughs> believes it. I mean, like, I think no it's one just really, about yes. tribalism and history and a- affection for the ritual and an affection for the way of life. Mm-hmm. And so it almost is like it was useless to try to argue rationally with someone about it. It isn't a rational choice. It's usually you're born into it or you have an emotional thing that makes you join something because it helps your life. Like, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't care. That's fine with me with people like I'm not, you know, so 
I, sure. I went back to the Catholic Church with my wife, and I found it just interesting because they were talking about Pontius Pilate and stuff, you know. And it's like, wow, they're still doing it. It was like a, be going back in yeah. time, but I'm I, still doing these bits. Yeah, but <laughs> David, no, I know it's same, the whole material. <laughs> um, David, yeah, have you ever I had? Mean, a, yeah. Now I kind of, as a hobby, follow these right wing Catholics. It's interesting. Right wing. Okay. Oh yeah, there's a huge. Huge schism coming in the church, I think. Oh, that makes sense. I uh, there's the Latin masters and they're the people who were with Pope Benedict and not with Pope Francis. And they think Francis is the anti-Pope. Did you <laughs> and, say Pope Benedict or Pope Wanadick? Good night. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Anyway, I, I canceled. I'm sorry. I'm canceled every five minutes. I like that one. I just made it up. I just made it up. Anyway, um, should we talk about your other supernatural experience, meeting David Spade in 19... 19- <laughs> uh, when you got... My question for Julia is, okay. and then we're going to get to me and Julia, of course. Uh, when she... I think you came from Groundlings. So when there, when when that happens, and you can explain how it happens, is there any jealousy when someone gets plucked out of Groundlings? Well, it's so funny. I think I was so naive. I didn't think anyone was jealous of me and I wasn't jealous of other people. But now I understand that most people get really jealous of those things. I mean, so I was just kind of oblivious about it towards me and Mm -hmm. and the people who got on before me, um, like Phil Hartman and John Lovitz, who I only didn't know well, but I I knew Phil a lot better than John. But Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel jealous. I just thought, wow, that's so exciting. You know, like I didn't. but there's something weird, wrong with me that I don't feel that way. I actually don't feel that way. I, no, I don't it's an feel innocence, that way. So, a nice, it's a nice innocence that you might, you learn later, like, oh shit, they're mad at me because of this. Or I started to feel those tingles of jealousy at SNL, to be honest. And, and, oh, and at I SNL, didn't really that's have different stand- of getting on. <laughs> yeah. Well, at Groundlings, everyone's good too, you know, but uh, SNL is just a whole nother level, like yeah. going from college probably to uh Oh, yeah. I mean, my experience with the Growlings was all for one and one for all. And if someone gets something, we're all happy. And then at SNL, it took me a long time to understand how to be competitive. You know, like (laughs) I didn't. It was really brutal. I was really kind of a lamb fed to the sharks in certain ways, but I did adapt. (laughs) Melanie, Melanie Hutzel, uh, we talked with recently and she talked about I love her. And she's so sweet and so Southern. And she talked about that. The difference, the stand-ups were kind of trained to kill yeah, and destroy right. and elbow, elbow out. Right. And seemed like the Growlings were sweeter and nicer overall. Oh, <laughs> wait. I mean, I'm sure I was naive and I was, <laughs> yeah. and frankly, I was succeeding so much. I didn't know that sounds arrogant to say, but at that moment I was succeeding enough that I didn't have any awareness of the competitiveness of it. I was just thought we were all mm-hmm. doing it. And but then when I got to SNL, well, actually, and I feel like I had mostly really good experience there. But now that I'm older um, and I look mm-hmm. back, I think I I really didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand how hard you had to compete. I thought we were all just going to look out for each other. Yeah. Well, when <laughs> when Nora and Jen left and you came in, it seemed like you had a lot of you were very active initially. You were. Doing stuff Before I was Phil. beaten down. Well, you became the go-to wife. A solid utility, yeah. You, you yeah. were just in yeah. every sketch in a sense. You and Phil had that sort of, a lot of yeah. sketches together, right? And you were very active your first yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, he I, was with, Jan was mostly his wife, but I was like, I was the <laughs> B-team wife. But then Jan <laughs> left the show and there you were. And then you came in. <laughs> yeah, you were the alternative wife. That's Did all. you and Jan overlap a year and yeah, maybe a Nora? Year. One year, okay. A year, yeah. And Nora, not at all? No, because I think no. I replaced her. If you oh, think of it like that, chased her out is what we call it. <laughs> no, you she got, had no, quit. Uh, sharp elbows, quit. There was several shows she was not at. <laughs> sharp elbows. You got some sharp elbows, Sweeney. <laughs> yeah, I'll play it. But that's uh, a good SNL book title. Yes, yeah, sharp elbows. Uh, well, yeah, Julia. So you come in, you get plucked from the Groundlings. Was it anyone else with you, or was Phil and John already there? But you got plucked solo. Yeah. And, you know, it was between me and Lisa Kudrow. Ooh, really? And when I got it, I thought, you know, I hope Lisa gets something. Oh, She what, deserves she ever... success like me. Yeah, bless her heart. And I hope she, you go, I hope one day she makes 
someday she gets on the show. You know, because she, you know what? She deserves it. You know what's funny? I'm not (laughs) saying, if there was room for two women, and I'm saying back then it was probably a lot tougher where they wouldn't even consider that. I know. But you and Lisa would have been such a score. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lisa's wonderful. I mean, yeah. so... I mean, it was it did. I kind of bought into that culture, too. Like you have three women and seven to ten guys. That's, and that's, that's how it way is. too many women. That's, that's right. Three. Yeah. yeah, it was a good ratio. Twelve guys and three women. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> In fairness, it was true that there was, you know, talk about not enough for the women. And, it's, and it was true. So and it's very it it's. I think nowadays they're more cognizant of it because there's a lot of great women have come through there. And yeah, I think I think you paved I think the Tina way. Faye also. changed everything. I think she revolutionized us now. Yeah, and doing update and 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 writing and and like bringing just women really, in and yeah and pointing out that there's no reason not to have the women. That if all the sketches are so male focused, that there's only women as weird archetypes in sketches yeah. here and there. It's like you're never going to get the women used. You have to really change your whole point of view. And I don't I wasn't there, but and I don't even know Tina Fey, but I I sense that there was a huge revolution took place. That was a good one. You know, it's funny yeah. when Tina was there, that was it sounds crazy. But that might have been the first time when there's like a sketch with all women. Yeah. <laughs> where people would be like, what? Well, she wrote like, about that in her book. I mean, I not about the sketch, but just about why you couldn't have a whole sketch group that was all women or mm-hmm. like, why can't why wouldn't you be able to think up a lot of sketches for a lot of women that didn't happen to have a man in it? You know, like and and I was I had that prejudice myself. Like, I really thought, really? oh, yeah, you think of something for a guy to do. And then you think how you could come in, you know, like it mm-hmm. It took a long time for me to see how much the sexism oh, was even in myself. Yeah, and that that was sort of the way it was. We were all there around the same time. And I remember it was just the way it was thought, good or bad. It was just the way it was thought. Yeah, so, it's amazing yeah. how you don't even question certain things like I thought of myself as a liberated, progressive person. And yet I didn't. I thought, oh, yeah, we'll always be three women and 10 guys. <laughs> well, also, they uh, Sarah Palin came in as a vice presidential candidate. So that was and then Hillary later. So that gave two political parts that yeah. were, you know, um, I don't know who you could do back then, really. I mean, Senator Feinstein, she was there. Oh, you, che- you, you did Chelsea. Did it say that you yes. that she had a, that rubbed somebody wrong? Yeah, Hillary. <laughs> oh, you did, you did Chelsea. Okay. Chelsea That's Clinton and then, then Hillary got like it. To Lauren. Oh, and then people were whoa. saying how unattractively I was playing Chelsea and all I did was not wear makeup <laughs> and put braces on. <laughs> so I was like, oh, if you say funny. that, you're saying I'm unattractive. Like, which maybe that's so, but it's no. like that's like I wasn't trying to Hilarious. play her unattractive. <laughs> With all that prosthetics, you made her look horrible. You're like, I just went, I just washed my face. And then I walked in. Yeah, I just didn't wear makeup and put on braces. That was it. And a wig, a long wig, a curly wig. But anyway, but I understood what Hillary was saying, especially now that I'm a parent. Like, it's like, yeah, fuck off. You know, I mean, don't play kids. I mean, that was wrong. She was right. That was wrong. (laughs) What about when uh, Farley played? Show uh, apology. (laughs) Who was the mayor or was it? Whose kid did uh, Farley play? They played him like such a moron, jumping all over his dad and while he's giving a speech. Do you remember? Oh that, yeah, David? was it Phil? The- was it Giuliani? I can't remember. Giuliani's, Giuliani's I think yeah, it was Giuliani's ten-year-old boy 10-year-old Andrew. Boy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he would just wear a suit and grab and <laughs> eats hamburgers and yeah. If I was, I would have been furious, of course. Uh, if you had to watch that as your own kid, yeah. We did a lot of things that we couldn't do now. You know, I was yeah. in Lyle Bullock, the effeminate heterosexual. Um, I know, but I can't. People mention that to me so often. I mean, l- people love that. That describes the type of person and behavior that is recognizable that hadn't been labeled yet. I mean, like that was it, I mean, at least in a pop culture sense. So I feel like that. And I think that's true. That is true. There are people who are effeminate. Mm-hmm. And heterosexual who are men. Yeah, that's a true thing. I mean, like, right. I don't when you slow I it down. Don't it sounds even better. Why, I don't <laughs> see how people could be offended by it. Well, what I found out later <laughs> that that uh, pained me was that I think it was the mixer in the booth. The gentleman at the time was gay. And when that sketch came on, 
he recused himself. Oh, really? Someone else worked to leave her. So and that, but why that, does he think that being um, effeminate mannerisms is um, pejorative towards a gay person? I mean, right, like you, it goes both ways. You're right. <laughs> you know, like, I guess I don't. Yeah, I find it hard to understand some of the stuff that people object to. But anyway, uh, I, I'm with you. We're we're comedians and we're not very offendable. And we want to say the thing you're not supposed to say. It's just instinctual and do the thing you're not supposed to do. And so we're not normal. And then but that one I couldn't do today. And I did an Asian character, too. Um, that you oh, we're yeah. making our with, yeah. making our way to a character called Pat, too, which <laughs> yes. is has had a resurgence in notoriety in the last few years. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about You're well, way ahead of the game on that. Or behind. <laughs> or behind, that's right. I, yeah. I mean, I, the thing for me is that I always thought the joke was mostly about the people who were around Pat, who Freaking were out. so flummoxed, yeah. who were so freaked yeah. out, which I thought was, Christine and I, at the beginning, because we wrote all those sketches together, Xander, oh, Christine Xander, as we said at the beginning, the jokes are not on Pat, the, except that Pat looks weird and drools and is annoying. But it's not because of, people aren't going to laugh at Pat for Pat's androgyny. What we're laughing at is the people around Pat. Mm-hmm. How do we stand yeah. it that Pat's androgynous? Yeah. So to me, it makes them frustrated. Yeah. And so but that's a subtle comedy thing, you know, that people yeah, there's people. Yeah, there's a lot of people upset by Pat. And it's yeah. and the truth is, I wasn't thinking of androgynous people as an SNL audience. You know what I mean? I was doing a character like we're laughing at this idea. If mm-hmm. I if I thought the audience was filled with androgynous people, I probably would have played it a little differently. You know what I mean? Like we didn't think of those people as our audience. But now you would. Now you yeah. would. Sure. You would be aware of them. But then yeah. I, to me, to me, the character forget that it's Pat and no one knows whether it's a man or a woman is just a funny character. Uh, I, you know, yeah. that's what I mean. It, the way she moved, the way she talked, it was just a funny character. Goofy. Yeah. Um, I guess if I did it again, I would make Pat more enigmatic and make it clear that it was about the other people and not Pat. Almost more mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin esque, like just people not talking much. Just just about everyone else's reactions. Yeah. But anyway, no one's asking me to do that. So no, and it uh, would do, it's it, never it would too kill. late for a, it's a pat two. you know, I think it's time for another one. We do it for eight million at Warner's. Or, oh, wait, let it, me tell you the saddest two. story. OK, I'll, so now I, I was, love it. I was going to I was going to New York and I was going to go to SNL and bring my daughter who hadn't. Gone. I guess we've gone twice in her life, but this was one of those times. And. The Supreme Court had just had a case where they had brought up Pat at the Supreme Court during the case. (laughs) And Alito didn't know who Pat was. And then there were these jokes about it. And Lauren and I had been emailing each other for something else. I think I had to get permission for something. Anyway, we had had this email and I and either here I was like, oh, isn't that funny that the Supreme Court joked about Pat and who on the Supreme Court knew who Pat was or whatever. And then he said, when you come, when you come to the show next week, bring your pad outfit with you to New York, because maybe, you know, I don't know. Who knows? You know, maybe we'll do something out of the Supreme Court thing. (laughs) But then the actual act of the sad fact of me, you know, like at 58, not at really like packing my pad outfit in a suitcase and bringing it, hoping, hoping that. Maybe we do a pad sketch like it was yeah. really. And of course, no one even mentioned it. And the whole like I had to bring the fucking pad suit. And it was oh. so it was such an offhand comment. And then I took it. I shouldn't have. Oh, God. Every was time it I on a hanger, it, like, did you show up with it on a hanger? Hello? Was it a Here's my outfit. <laughs> yeah. It's a really uh, funny so is it a cold opening or is it an update piece? And everyone's like, is no, what? No, no, yeah. no one even mentioned it. And then it was like in front of my <laughs> husband and daughter, which we all just took carry on. It's like, no, I have to check my my pad. Oh, and then yeah. and then it's like, oh, well, I guess I I really didn't need to. <laughs> how come how come church lady never got together with Pat? Why was Pat not on church chat? That seems I like know, we should have done that. God, I always travel with my Tom Petty hat. (laughs) 
He did it. No matter where I go, in the mutton chops, right? Pork chops, yeah, little chops chops on the side. Just you know, (laughs) you never know when someone's going to want it at a birthday party or something. Oh my god! My dad works in B two B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. When you when you came on, you um, when you started, I started for... Four weeks of the end of a season with Schneider, and then I think you started with Rock and Farley. That that no, beginning Farley of that was year? there. I came and visited the show when he did okay. his um, Patrick Swayze sketch. Oh, oh I Chippendale. watched that show from the audience, but I wasn't on the show yet. So you came in mid-season, probably. Right? Well, no, it was just. I think it was the next episode. Oh, okay. Maybe I knew I was going to start, but I wasn't in that episode. Yeah, I, I came the week before to look at a show. They said, why don't you come early? And I think that may be yeah. what they do to us. But and, and you watch it and going, oh, my God, I'm going to be part of this shit. It's moving so fast. I have no idea what's going I on. I think it's scary watching a practice show, knowing projecting yourself yeah. out there a week later. How will I be out there? I mean, just, but you guys yeah. are you're because you guys go, see to me, it wasn't. But it wasn't scary to me. But that's not saying that it shouldn't have been scary. But. Um, I think because of doing sketches at the Groundlings, like I, it was just like I was in so many sketches, and you had to learn. It was very similar to being at the Groundlings. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's right. That's different for me and Dana because we. So it didn't went... seem scary. I just, I actually had the opposite. Like I thought, as I watched it, I thought, oh, I can do this. I can do this. Oh, good. Yeah. Wow. So, so you come in and you see all of us. So Phil, you knew, and you have great uh, admiration for Phil, and you guys were mm-hmm. were good. He'd been my teacher at. Oh, the teacher. Yeah. God, who's better to teach? He's so good. Oh, my God. No, he changed my life with his teaching. He was such a he could really not very many comedians um, can explain why they're funny and how they do it. And he could, you know, funny thing about Phil seeing around the office is how Dana knows him way better, but how uh, unassuming and how egoless. And he's always thinking about other things at work when I'm only thinking about SNL because I'm so but he's so good. He would be like, hey, I might go fishing this weekend or hey. And then you think, how are you thinking of one other thing? This is driving me mental to try to. But he's just I just great. remember how organized he was. Yeah. He had his folder, all the sketches, all the yes. lines. He really made sure he knew his lines. Oh, like, he's so good. Yeah, He took the it binder. so seriously. Yeah. And then he was he was so disciplined around it. And then he would have a popular mechanics or some kind of motorboat today magazine yeah. he'd be looking <laughs> at surf schematics of an evan route and then he'd put it down and then he'd go in a rehearsal scene nail it perfect <laughs> nail it. go back out i think he something. had that red hard cover that says saturday Night live in the corner in that circle and then it was like yeah. a red hard notebook and you'd open it up three yeah. ring binder and you put that's your, right yeah I'd, I'd put my two pages of script for that week in there and open it up oh <laughs> my update Aww. bit it's a yeah. consistent theme with David. He had a rough time. <laughs> I keep saying it. Uh, and then, so you got along pretty much like you knew. What were your first first thoughts of like an Adam or something? What's my first thoughts about what? About, about like Sandler or Farley. Um, Sandler or, or, came a little later, I think. Oh, right. Maybe he a came, year later. Even, yeah, summer. I think he wasn't there right away. Um, Ellen Cleghorn was with you. Um, yeah. Siobhan Fallon. Yeah, yeah I love Siobhan. Yeah. Melanie Hutzel and, and Beth, Beth, right? Beth for each season. Beth Cahill, yeah. Those were kind of your primary. Yeah, I didn't really know Beth very well. Um mm-hmm. they were she was just there for one year. But yeah. um yeah. yeah, I mean it was exciting. I mean, of course, it was the most exciting thing. You're at the center of the universe and you're at the top of what you would want to be for your 
you know, your skill set. Mm. I mean, like, it's the best. I mean, it was the greatest, most thrilling thing. I would say it was completely great till the last year. And um, at uh, first, what happened I, the I, last year? <laughs> well, I for one thing, the sketches changed. They were more bro sketches. Um, and <laughs> who would be doing that? And, um, <laughs> I wasn't there was no place for me in those sketches. I mean, like there was no and I wasn't getting my own stuff on and no one was casting me. And Christine had left. That was the big thing. So we oh. had written together every week and she'd gone to work on Third Rock from the Sun mm-hmm. with Bonnie and yeah. Terry. Christine and, Zander. Um, Great and I, I just was lost without her, frankly. And and I felt like the sketches were more. Um, I remember something. I mean, this might it was kind of terrible. There was some sketch where they had to have a beautiful woman. And I was listening to everyone talk about how none of the women who were on the show could play oh, a beautiful aye, 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 woman. Aye, aye. And they had to bring in a model because there was literally no one there that even with makeup and everything who could pass as sexual. <laughs> like, and so, and then I was like, wow, I'm, oh my God, really have, I mean, not that I would have necessarily been that choice anyway, but it's like that point of view, there just was no room for me. Now, looking back, I think I should have pushed harder of my own comedy mm. and I should have, you know, should have, would have, could have, but everybody does. But um, well, Xander Ter- yeah. and the Turners who if people listening, Bonnie and Terry Turner were great writers yeah. together. Christine Xander was wonderful. So, so having them in your corner or at least a piece of it or something. Yeah. Really takes a chunk away, and you need every piece yeah. to keep going. And if you have a little yeah. bit slipping, and it's I knew just it would be harder, but I didn't know it would be devastating. You know, I didn't know that it right. would be. Hmm. I thought the bottom would drop out. Yeah, the bottom really seemed to drop out. And so there were, for the first time, there were sketches I shows I weren't wasn't even in it. You know, like, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that was hard. It was really hard. I could hardly wait to leave at the end of that year, but. Up until then, though, it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, sure. It really was very exciting. Yeah, it seemed like you. I was there three three years with you, and it just seemed like you were really, really active in the show. Yeah, first and I think there, like, that was a big part was my youthful enthusiasm, mm-hmm. and also Christine. And your, yeah, Christine. Mm-hmm. Who wrote the reconciliation sketch? It was such a uh, oh me sort of- that actually I had written that sketch. Well, Christine and I wrote it together, um, but. I had had the idea and done a kind of early form of that sketch. Um, Do you want to describe what it what it was? I mean, uh, well, it was. Now I'm thinking, is that really true? Well, it, it's we the one with Alec totally Baldwin right plays now, the handsome anyway, priest. It was Alec Baldwin came on and he's so handsome. And, you know, he's just he's like he's one of those guys who's handsome and funny, as you know, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And. I was telling Christine that in my Catholic high school, they had changed confession and they now called it reconciliation. And you looked at the priest in a room instead of going to a confessional. And that at our high school, I went to an all girls (laughs) Catholic high school and the priest was father Bowley. And he was so handsome that people would get so distracted telling them their sins. That's funny. They couldn't like he was so handsome. (laughs) Father Baldwin. And then I would go in and start flirting with the priest. And then it was creepy and everything. (laughs) And that I would start making up sins just to stay in the confessional, <laughs> you know, like just so we could keep this conversation going. Yeah. And so we wrote that with and Alec came in and wrote it with us. I mean, at least parts of it with us. And God, that was really fun. It, it was, was so much fun. Very, very funny. He was perfect casting. And yeah. then you were you played it beautifully. I mean, it's just. It's and then just the best thing about that, we had written a line at the end where because I'm like, I I cheated on my diet. And he's like, well, that's not really a sin. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and then he goes, but, um, but I know I know what it's like to, you know, try to go on a diet. Um, what did you cheat with? And I go, I ate a whole box of Oreos. And he says, oh, do you like to unscrew it and eat out the creamy center or something right. like that? There you go. And then oh. the standards and practices like you can't say eat out the creamy center. We suggest wow. you say lick out the cream. <laughs> <laughs> they always get it more pornographic. It's don't so they? funny. Every, Every like, time. Classic. OK, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Good. Can you good. say I'm, go down on the Oreo? I think that would be better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I, I um, funny. this yeah. is just a, a Catholic uh, 20 second story. My wife and I were married in a Catholic church. The priest, we went to dinner with him, this and that. They usually have a few pops. You know what I mean? 
And uh, my wife, <laughs> drinks. very pretty, 23 at the time, gets up, goes to the bathroom with her tight jeans. He looks and says, if you don't marry her, I will. That was that was the priest. Good night. Wow. That's all Folks. I got. David? <laughs> Julia, did, were you there when Alec, it, I'm just looking at your thing where it says, you're a, uh, you brought up Alec and then. Yeah. Uh, it says, she demonstrated an early talent for mimicry. Uh, yeah, what is, is that? Is that like on IMDb know. or something? And character. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. A love and, of uh, characters. I didn't, I, I, by the way, <laughs> I was not good at mimicry and people were often have, you know, assigning me famous people to play. And I I feel like I really was like C, C minus at that. Like, it, I actually it feels like more special good... skills at the bottom. Mimicry. I heard you're good at mimicry and you're like, yeah, you're yeah. a mimic in third grade. <laughs> Do you remember right? Dana? I don't think Julie was there, but Alex's first show was my like third one. And he did a sketch called The Mimic, unless he did it later. Oh, I think Were no, no, I think mimic? he had done it when he came. He had already done that. <laughs> this is the mm-hmm. stupidest sketch. And he was so funny. He goes, the mimic, and he pick up the phone and go, Hello. <laughs> he goes, he can do anything. And then he was like kind of bad at all of them. And uh, because he actually is good at all these accents and stuff, but they just and he dressed all black. The mimic. <laughs> well, the classic was Frank Gorshwin. He was a brilliant impressionist on Ed Sullivan in the 60s. And he would do the classic turn turn away from the camera. And kind of fluff his hair up and then come back, which is like, look at me now, you know. Uh, I like that. I like that kind of impression. Uh, Yeah, we can do voices. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. Mm -hmm. And what makes a home is more than just house or property. It's the location and the neighborhood. Yes, exactly. This is really, really a smart uh, thing. If you have kids, it's also schools, regards to homes, nearby parks, transportation Mm -hmm. options. That's why homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. Yeah, and when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide, They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, Mm -hmm. student to teacher ratio. This is stuff you need. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's right. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. So Dana, do you you live in LA now, not in Mill Valley anymore? Um, I was just in Mill Valley. Uh, the actual address is no. Uh, yeah, I was just there. We have the nineteen twelve haunted house up there, and I've experienced. I don't know if I believe it, but poltergeist up there. What? And I told Dan Aykroyd about it, and he says I got to get someone in there to check it out. It's in one particular right, sir, bedroom, enough, and at night I would hear white noise because. My son had moved out of that bedroom and moved in with his brother because he felt, and I would hear white noise because there was a portable radio Scared. there. So I would walk in and then the white noise would stop. All that. <laughs> and it happened, uh, you know, a couple times a year and I saw some things. Anyway, I'm in a I happen to know the top yeah. paranormal debunker Whoa. in the United States, if you're interested. I don't necessarily believe in it. I've had the nightmare where you feel a pressure on your chest, even though you're in a waking dream state. And Oof. that made me leave the San Ysidro hotel one night with my oh, wife at three really? in the morning. I woke her up and said, we have to go now because I felt the pressure on my chest when I'm sleeping and bouncing up and down on me. And then I went and used the bathroom, thought, what okay, that's fuck? a, I was dreaming. Then I laid back down and I felt like I was awake as I am right now. And then massive pressure that felt angry pushing down on me, and I was just couldn't move. And then it but released now, me. Didn't yeah. you have heart issues? <laughs> like, yeah, isn't that there a like... physical explanation uh, for that? Yes, I Dana. had seven stents and a botched bypass <laughs> twenty-five years ago. Look at me now. <laughs> Those are my issues. Let me, let me charge. No, but myself. I mean, there's. I mean, there's always you a natural explanation. Oh, I mean, always. By the way, well, it, uh, Julia, nightmare. I know a paranormal. Yeah. Bunker. They should meet your debunker. <laughs> uh, Dana, I get scared at my house because I just moved and I don't want to hear that story because I hear like clicking in the house settling in quotes. But it's like, and Julia will say it's a house settling, which I say because I can't in the middle of the night when it's dead silent, you're so scared. You're like, 
I have to think of a reason what's going on because it's always scary. But I haven't felt pressure or anything like that. I would fucking freak out. Oh, I so, rented you know, a house. Since yeah, I became a person who doesn't believe in supernatural in things like that, <laughs> except I, us, yeah. Um, I never get scared. I mean, I get scared when I think there's a reasonable chance that something's truly wrong. But that kind of stuff, I doesn't even. I just think uh, there's something's making the sound. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm so. not. I'm not frightened of it at all. I because I never got hurt. It just flipped me out the first time. But I, I don't know if I said this, but I. Mike Myers, who kind of read the encyclopedia as a five-year-old, you know, nightmare is is a from the word, you know, it's some medieval Latin prefix or for a mare, and I, I eat a horse, feels like it's laying mm -hmm. on top of you. And it's just a waking dream state. I read about it in the New York Times. The brain disconnects. David, you're fine. I mean, you <laughs> that scared me, and I've never heard about the horse part, but I like it. Um <laughs> Julia, you were in Coneheads. No, we we should. We, you were in Coneheads, weren't you? That was sort of a sign. What was wasn't it or no? You weren't. Well, in Well, I remember thinking I'm playing the principal, and Chris Farley's playing a high school student, and we're only like four years apart in age. <laughs> that tells you a lot about children. <laughs> um, yeah, that was fun. I don't remember that much about it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I I was in it too. Believe me, we okay. were all in it. I think as I think Lauren just said, David, you'll be reporting to Coneheads. And I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, sir. I think it was something like it was like you just were told that you were going. But David, you know what I remember is that sketch you wrote, not necessarily for me, but I got to be the main comedy driver of it. I always bring that up. And the sketch, remember the sketch where I go on the date and I just keep ordering expensive food and then I start talking about how I'm not going to put out. He's <laughs> trying to push me towards the more cheap, the cheaper food. Do you remember that? I don't. That's hilarious. No, and oh you came God. to me and said, I have this idea wow. for you. I'm going to write the sketch. And it was. Wow. I'm forgetting who the guy was, um, but it was a, some handsome guy. And I'm just and the whole thing was like me, like, oh, I'm so happy to be on the stage. Oh, lobster and steak. That's what I'm going to get. And then it's like, I just want to <laughs> tell you that I don't ever have sex with anyone <laughs> and then it kind of goes is... i mean it wasn't that obvious but it was really right. well written and when people say um those guys at snl they were so you know together and not you know really into the women that much i say right. david spade wrote a sketch for me that was one of the best things i ever did that's and, so great i love and, that and you and don't he remember. wasn't even in it he just wrote it you know like i can't it was believe so, yeah it was a very loving thing to do i don't know how much it meant about me, but I took it as a very well. You first probably of all, performed I, I it great because you right. I know, you yes, I knew you were good. That's, that's I knew you're what good. You do. And uh, yeah. it's fun to have a, a, a sketch, uh, and you got probably had the host in there. But when you get the funny parts, because it's really hard. Yeah, to... I mean, because usually you're not getting to be the driver of the comedy, and you real and that this character was. I mean, it was really the host was kind of just reacting to me, and mm -hmm. you had just written it, and it was just the most wonderful gift. I mean, it was just an incredible thing. I, I and I bring that up at least once a month. I'm telling people that, and David's that's paid. so nice, and David doesn't remember. I said that's the most baffling part of the sketches I wrote. I didn't write that many. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, thank you, and I'm glad you did it, and I'm glad you remember it and say it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about me forever, which I but I like. Do you that. want to talk about the? Not many people. This will mm -hmm. go full circle. Got a movie out of a character, <laughs> yeah. like, and you did. There was no church lady movie. There was a Stuart Smalley movie. There was a Pat movie in the '90s. With anybody else? of a character. I think those were the two. Those two should have been in the movie together. They would have been great. I know it. That was, but well, is that a bittersweet memory yeah, or is that a good one? Bittersweet. I had such a good time making it. We didn't know what we were doing. I didn't do it with Lauren. I didn't understand the politics. He wanted to do it, but then, Oh, I didn't he own like, it? Didn't he own the character? No, you it, I was oh. one of the people when I came in, my lawyer got me to own Pat. I don't oh, know how okay. it doesn't even matter. I mean, it got it. So you mattering. owned it and did it outside the system. So I could have because mm -hmm. I had done that character at the Groundlings. I I don't know why. Anyway, so he did. So it was my choice. And I think I made a dumb choice not to have Lauren be the producer of it because all, all kinds of awful things happened aside from the fact that we didn't write a good script. I mean, like, you know, so I don't know. It was, it was really fun to, to um, do it. And it was really fun to make it. Oh my God. It was so much fun. And um, I learned so much and then it was really a big bomb. And 
but I always felt grateful for it. And I am. Um, I wrote to Eisner afterwards and said how I know I made it. I know I just wasted $8 million of your money. (laughs) Really? But I learned so much and had a great time. And I know that shouldn't compensate for it because that's a lot of money. But I just want to say everything about it was really great. And thank you. I'll never forget that, obviously. And then he sent that letter around Disney. as like, here's somebody who's grateful for failing. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, you- Julia, I did that with a movie once and I and I I think that's so cool you did that. I I felt so bad after a movie. I called the guy and said, uh, I appreciate you doing it. I'm just so sorry I didn't do what you wanted kind of thing. And I don't think he wrote me back. But uh I do think uh, for myself I felt yeah, like I, needed I mean to do you that. realize like now, of course, everything's so different now, but I I I don't know how I would have done it differently. And maybe I wasn't really up to the task of turning that into something successful, but it wasn't. <laughs> and, um, and you know, yeah, but I got the chance. I mean, I was like, I got the chance. But Julie, is it hard to take a sketch? I'm sorry, Dave. Yeah, but no, no, that, ta- that's take that's a sketch difficult. And, and, and you've done a sketch and you feel like a lot of the good jokes is the reason the sketch is doing well. And then, you, you're not really starting from scratch, but to fill the whole yeah. Movie, no, I think it yeah. is. I mean, actually, it wasn't till late. I didn't watch all the Charlie Chaplin movies till um, much later in my life. And when I watched them, I realized not that Pat is any the character of Pat is anything like the Charlie Chaplin ca- character, but that the way he was enig- enigmatic and let everyone else be reacting to him while he was doing physical things would have been the way to. I think it could have succeeded, but I didn't mm. know enough to know uh, that. I, I was in some very shitty movies, but I never felt like I was driving the boat. But I do think that funny with the sound off, like if the sound broke on a Pat movie, it would be nice to think it could still yeah. work. But that to solve that dilemma, especially, you know, Stuart Smalley, these are quirky characters. They're not. Yeah. I, mean, I think Wayne and Garth just followed Bill and Ted and they're like dudes, you know, party on. They're very accessible. And to make Pat, yeah, it, it right. would be a challenge because such yeah. an eccentric character, but well, visually and, and it's funny. And it's audio. Uh, it's sort of like a more for adults, and Wayne and Garth could be for adults or kids. You know, they can get into it too. Yeah, because it's Mostly like very. Kids. But you know, Stuart Smalley, yeah. I watched. I did. I when I lived in Chicago for ten years, and mm-hmm. I was helping to teach at the Harold Ramis Film School. They have this film program that I was teaching. I was really not teaching. It was a friend of mine teaching it, but I kind of helped for one semester. And we were watching some Harold Ramis movies and he directed Stuart Smalley. And so we watched it. And you know what? It was, I liked it. I thought it was a successful film. I, you know, I mean, it, it was, it's, it's a really quirky movie, but I was really unlike Pat. When I watched the Pat movie, I was like, yeah, this doesn't work. I mean, this really didn't work, but Stuart Smalley, I thought worked. Yeah, I mean, Harold Ramis is so talented. I think, uh, talking to Al Franken, I think he's going on Fallon soon. And I told him he should he should do Stuart Smalley, even for the young audience, and, and hold Jimmy's hand, make it all about Jimmy. Um, you know, good enough, strong enough, you know, that kind of thing. So, Oh, my God. Uh, you know, I almost canceled myself, except that no one cares if I'm canceled. Um, uh, because after Al Franken's, debacle and demise from the Mm -hmm. Senate. I was so angry and upset. I was so angry. I couldn't sleep for a month. I was so angry. And then I wrote a one person show about it and did it for like five Saturdays at the Groundling Small Theater until people came up and said, Julia, first of all, this isn't even funny in any way. It was just me. I was all I did. I went through all the allegations. Allegation number four. (laughs) You know, like I was I was crazed with anger at how the Me Too movement had been twisted up in the worst possible way to go after this great guy, in my opinion, and complete. I was so angry, you guys. And then I had somebody come and say, you know, you'll never work again if you open this show, because it's really just (laughs) even though I'm a Me Too supporter. But when it came to Al Franken, I just could see how that all that shit went down and it was bullshit. And it was. And 
then people weren't talking to me. And then I finally just dropped it because I couldn't make it entertaining enough. It really was a show of me for 90 minutes talking about each allegation against Al Franken and why and my bulletin board and this and why and why and why. And um, and I had to stop it. But I think that's when I really had went over on the other side of the culture because I felt like, okay, this I'm so angry about this. It's so unfair. And and yet the culture is, you know, I'm not I can't influence the culture and I'm just going to wreck my own career and health over it. So I kind of just dropped it. And then I also realized I didn't really have the standing for anyone to care um, (laughs) about it. You know what I thought about it. So I couldn't really even help him. And then later I finally saw L. Franken and then I realized he didn't really care if I was doing that either. (laughs) I was like, oh, I've just been doing a one person show about you. And he's like, oh, oh, thanks. Um, You don't have to. It's kind of scary because anybody, if someone from high school said I looked at him wrong in 1973 or something. Exactly. It's like, whoa, I mean, you know, there's there's the other the the big players. We don't have to name them where it's pretty obvious. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people that maybe behaved a little boorishly or something, but to be canceled for life is just a bit much. For- no, it was really, that was really, anyway, I didn't mean to take us into sad territory, but that was really, really, really just fucking got my goat. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I wanted, I just couldn't, I couldn't think of anything else. And it took a long time to just except that's how life goes in an unfair way sometimes for some people. And that's how it's always been. I mean, like not for everyone, obviously not for everyone, but sometimes you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. It's all I kept thinking. It's almost like there was a huge pile up on the road and Al Franken was driving on the outside of the road and his fender caught it and he just caught up in it. You know, like one one thing about Al, you can rest assured he's he's uh very resilient, obviously, and a tough. Oh character. yeah, yeah. No, no. When I saw him, he's yeah. already had a million ideas. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have a. I have a gear change question for Julia. You have a what? A gear, a gear he's change. Shift gears. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. No, I don't care. We love um, all. We love all of it. Our, we love our all listeners, questions. Our, I just before I got off, I wanted to ask you if you. It. I read that you felt badly that you might have cracked up during motivational speaker and i <laughs> never thought of that of you i never thought anything negative about that i thought i did i did i do have a problem controlling laughing during sketches <laughs> i didn't really? ever think that of you oh, i thought yeah. i i fucked that sketch up me and christina ruined it but we were just laughing which didn't really ruin it it was just it just it was, it was so, so rare funny. to happen yeah that it we was all really just... just seeing the funniest thing and you knew yeah. that it was going to live forever and you're in the middle of it and you have the best seat in the house and I can't stop laughing. Like I, God, right. that was good. Farley I in that character, I've said it on another podcast. I think that's the most, I don't know, most potent thing somebody's ever done. Maybe it just the way yeah. he squatted and got ready for his next line. It's very Chris moves. They were just, it was like, it, it was like Chaplin S. He's just going to get squatted, get set with his body before he, yeah, I, I, that might've broke me if I was in it. I also, think yeah. Phil might be the only one that didn't laugh. I know Phil is so good. He could really, I couldn't control it. I couldn't oh. control myself. I, we all started to break. And that's the problem is that we, and back then, I think they do it more now. They crack up a lot. But yeah. We, it was definitely a no-no. And no, no. No, it was terrible to do that. Yeah, you were no. being like, yeah, the Carol Burnett, Burnett show now. That, like, yeah. yeah, we didn't have as much fun as we could have had, <laughs> you know, because I was just thought you get fired. I mean, when Phil yeah. finally broke, Phil finally broke doing Tonto, Tarzan and yeah. Frankenstein. And he's <laughs> Frankenstein. He crashes through the thing or whatever. And then that first time that Phil <laughs> broke, Phil was done. <laughs> Fire bad. <laughs> and then he was, I was toast. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. Is he going to be in trouble? There's always fear on that. Yeah, show. there was. I wonder what oh it's my. like now. Cause I was thinking, you know, Lauren is so much older now than the people who are performing than he was from our age. You yeah. know, like for yeah. us, he was kind of an older guy, but now he's a much, much older guy. Yeah, seventy six, and then a new cast member is like twenty two, and they're right. chatting about I mean, comedy. That's a whole different <laughs> feeling. I mean, yeah. I wonder what it's like. I don't know. The the meetings are like, who's your favorite rappers, <laughs> rap singers? Right, is Doctor Dre bands. really a doctor? 
Does anyone know? Please. Um. <laughs> I think um, they always seem to find a way that show to find great people. You know, Christian. You know it. You know, it's an incredible they're... success that yeah. I didn't. It's, I didn't think. I thought, oh, it'll go for a few more years, but you really have to hand it to him. I mean, yeah. like. It's Lord, really incredible. He Working. is the show and he never panicked because there were so many years of like, we got to do it taped or we got to change the name and change the right. band. And he knew he had an incredible brand and he just stuck to it. And yeah. like I, Steve Higgins said, Lauren wrote the constitution of the <laughs> house. And then he lets it's a, it's liquid form. It can be whatever it becomes. Cause now mm -hmm. going full circle with women, they play a lot of men on the right. show. You probably right. would have done George Bush or Ross Perot. Yes. Or, well, yeah. the reason I played Pat at first is I was trying to play a man, but I didn't feel like it was very um, convincing. And mm. so I thought, oh, I'll just make a joke that you don't know if it's a man or a woman to kind of cover for my lack of acting ability. But now <laughs> I probably wouldn't think that I'd think I could just play a man if I wanted. Julia, can we just get up? Because we need something to trend. You know, we're we're behind smart list, uh, but we're getting close. <laughs> um do you in, inside your mind have you ever thought to yourself was pat a man or a woman just internally to yourself do you know the secret i'm sorry there is no secret uh, there is I no know. secret you uh, i you know were, you i wish i know. could so you had a little sound bite you could yeah out I, there, but i i, I know i I'd was be lying. making fun of sound bites here's a sound bite church lady wasn't religious no i don't know um, <laughs> We could have done a church lady becomes an atheist. That would have been funny. Oh, I do think church lady with Pat would have been I know. perfect. You know, you know what I think is that they just live together and you just don't ask questions about that relationship. <laughs> they moved in together. You think? I just think it'd be funny if they just like you find out that they've yeah. lived together for thirty five years in separate rooms. You know, but. It's just, it's just curious. <laughs> yeah, and church I like lady it. just says we anyway. That would be yeah. a thing. We like yeah. to get dressed, don't we, in our clothes? Well, sure. we have our special clothes on that fit us <laughs> in a certain way, so we can't tell quite what we are under. That way, you know, Dana, do you have anything shape. else for the lovely Julia Sweeney to ask her? Um, so you guys are both mainly living in L.A. now. No, I'm living right? in L.A. Are you? Yes, or are yes you in I Chicago? moved back from Chicago, and, when, okay. and so I bought a house in 1992 that I thought was going to be a starter house, but it's an Ender house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> prices have gotten pricey. No, because I couldn't afford to live in this neighborhood. There's no way. No chance. Yeah. Um, so now we're my husband. I I just married about 15 years ago, and my husband and just I. Just 15 um, years. Yeah. 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 He's really a good guy. Go ahead. He's and he, we're remodeling that house. It's a small house, but it's perfect for two retired people. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're remodeling it and we're living next door while it's being remodeled. But it's supposed to be done in about a year. It's supposed to be done in 10 and a half years. So are you? Yeah, it takes a while. So when it's done, I want to have you guys over. That's more like it'll it. be really pretty. And we can sit in the backyard and I'm, I'm a good I, cook. I would love it. Will you invite us? Should I'll I? go yes, as Dana's plus one. Do you have my email or Greg will give it to you? No, Greg, you'll give me both their emails. Yeah. I think I saw you, David, at um somebody's. Who was it? Some a party. Anyway, oh, David at a party. Yeah, that's crazy. No, Dana. <laughs> Those are the good old days. God, but I still go out if it's someone's dinner or some small thing like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what. I used to have big parties all the time. I used to have a Sunday night party that was huge every Sunday. I think when I, I was young. That. Yeah. But now I like four to eight small, sure. the right people, nice food, early. Early and early is the key. Early. I like to so eat. Do early. I? I eat. I like to eat at four or five. I eat Ooh. at five. And so I, I would have so an adult perfect. beverage. We're on the same page. Yes. Yes. Early, fun, maybe Sunday, four to eight. Boom, get in, get out. Yeah, um, maybe yeah. four to seven. Eight and you're an atheist, so you won't care. It's a holy day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I am too. No, I'm an agnostic. I'm pretty sure I'm not an atheist. I don't know. Whatever. Joke to come. <laughs> Julia, send us a mass uh, email 
and uh, yeah. get Dane and I on Julia there. Sweeney, one of the okay. all-time great cast members of Saturday Night Live. Thanks for having me. It's really nice yes. to see you guys. And when your Thank house you is so done, much, we, will, we will see you. And if we don't see you then, we'll see you at the 50th. And my hair is going to even be more Do weird. You think they, I guess it's pretty close to that now, right? Oh, yeah. 2025. I get the pad outfit back go. in the I'm suitcase. I'm gonna get a few little things done right as I, right before I go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> you know, the last one I really cared about being there, and it was really important for me, my identity that I was on SNL. Mm-hmm. I'm in such a different place now. I don't even know if I'd go because I just feel like, Ugh. yeah, okay. You're I like, know. Do I want to fly. You just, yeah, I know. You kind of, it's, it's, it's really, it's really about Lauren. You know, kind of. Well, no, I mean, it is fun, but you don't. It's not like you can really talk to people. I mean, like. You just kind of be in the okay, no, anyway, you're going, hey, hey, there's 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 Bill Hader or there's uh, there's Melanie Hutzel. Yeah, I know it's everywhere, but nowhere. I like a small party, six to yes. eight people. I think four instead to eight. I'll just I'll have it after you guys go. I'll have my dinner party and, you'll and we'll tell, tell me you all the juice. Happened. Yes. Yes. Juice right. it up. Julia all right, Sweeney. OK, so honey, I'll pleasure. get your emails. Yes. Get our emails. We'd love to keep in touch. And so great to see you. So this good is a fun, to see you. fun part of this podcast. Just okay. getting getting reconnected with old friends. Hmm. All, bye, right. all right. Bye. Bye. Bye's awkward. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13, executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 